Thanks for spending time with us on The Green this week. I'm Tom Byrne. Amazon is one of the largest employers in Delaware and worldwide, but little is known about how it operates or the people who make up the tech giant outside of founder Jeff Bezos. That is, until now. After spending 12 years at Amazon, Christy Coulter wrote about her time there as one of the company's only female executives in her new book, Exit Interview, The Life and Death of My Ambitious Career. In this edition of Enlighten Me, Delaware Public Media's Kyle McKinnon talks with Coulter about her experiences working at Amazon. You've published two memoirs, Nothing Good Can Come of This, in 2018, and now you have Exit Interview, which was published last year, and that's about Amazon and your 12-year career as an executive there. Um, It's insightful. It's informative. It's funny. Uh, It's a distinct read all around, which seems to reflect your distinct time there, your distinct career there, Christy. (laughs) But, you know, I I, want to work a a little bit backward here. I read that you said at at some point with Exit Interview, you realized this is a story of someone who outgrows Amazon and rescues herself from it. So, you know, I want to start there. What spurred you to pour all of this out into this book? Was it a collection of moments, feelings? What did that decision making look like for you? Yeah, it's funny, you know, when I was working at Amazon, it's just the place you work. It's like any office. You go and you see the same 25 people every day. And and it was only when I left that I started to really internalize what a weird place it is, you know, that it's not really like a lot of other companies. And also that, um, you know, there's a lot of things people misunderstand about it from the outside. You know, it looks one way. And I thought, you know, I always wanted people to know what it felt like inside. And I realized, oh, I could actually just tell them. <laughs> I could write a book and tell them what it felt like. Um, and it really was kind of an accumulation of small moments in my head that led up to this story about what it was like to be at this place during a time of explosive growth and change. I mean, that was the other thing is that very few people have that kind of close-up view to a company going from, you know, a very, very famous retailer to one of, to, I think the largest company in the world or, or very close to it. And I was like, you know, I, a real writer needs to write this, not, not, you know, like a literary writer needs to tell the story of the inside. And you're probably the person to do that. There'd been some good reporting on Amazon, some good business books, but there hadn't been like a interior look. You know, as part of why I think your book is, is, is really resonating because it feels like many of the inner workings and methodologies of Amazon are meant to be top secret, uh, not to sound too hyperbolic there, but um, <laughs> no. you, know, you got there in 2006. So obviously, as you just said, well before Amazon was the Amazon we know it as today. For our listeners, at least, can you give us a snapshot of what it was like when you got there, um, when you first arrived? There's some really gro- great uh, anecdotes and all that in the book about that. But yeah. just for our listeners, what your early years of the company looked like when you first got there? Yeah, when I arrived at Amazon, I would estimate there were probably like 5,000 employees in Seattle. And that was by far the biggest place I'd ever worked. So I was like, this is insane. <laughs> you know, It's like a planet. And it was absolute chaos. I mean, it's a bunch of really smart people running around like chickens with their heads cut off, just trying to keep up with how fast things are changing and changing demands. And you really just get in there and everyone's really nice, but they don't have time to help you because they're so overwhelmed themselves. So I spent the first year just trying to stay afloat and learn by osmosis how to do my job. 
it was just absolute madness. And then what happens is you gradually, as with any company, you start to learn all the acronyms and, you know, all the vocabulary and the way things are done. And you do start to feel like you have a handle on, you know, your own job. And, and just at that moment, like three months into my time at Amazon, I was reorged out of my job and I was put into a much larger one. So every time I would start to feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. It would be like, well, guess what? <laughs> We're going to move you into an area where you don't know what you're doing. And I think that's true for a lot of people there. And that could be, honestly, for the right kind of person, um, kind of exhilarating. Like I grew to love feeling like I was in over my head a little bit. I I, I kind of thrive on that feeling. Mm. Well, yeah. w- women in the workforce is a huge theme, I think, of the book. You almost look at the book is almost like spliced into two lenses almost. You described, you know, long hours and weekend work and, and midnight emails, all the norm for the employees you managed. Uh, ditto with these hard conversations among female Amazon employees. And you've made an interesting point here. And I quote, um, I found managing women to be exhausting because of the crippling insecurity. These are brilliant women. They were so good at their jobs, often better at their jobs than the men I managed were at theirs, but they needed so much propping up because they were so insecure. Can you tell us more about that and that piece of things here? So yeah, women, it's a very male-dominated company. Um, Women and men are about at equal levels, at entry level in corporate. And then once you hit manager level, women start disappearing and it just gets to be smaller and smaller representation from there. So at my level, I think it was about 25% female. So there just aren't a lot of women in leadership. And Amazon is very good at finding people who are desperate to please and really insecure about their own abilities. Like I think it thrives on hiring those types of people. It was once described as the place where overachievers go to feel bad about themselves, which really resonated with me. I wish I'd come up with that. And um And the women in particular, I found, I managed many men and many women, and the women were especially insecure. I think that the kind of women who could make it at Amazon are so hard driving and so susceptible to that culture of fear that it actually was harder for me to manage them emotionally than than it was to manage men. It took a lot more emotional labor. And it was an interesting position to be in because I love managing women and developing women. And yet I would start to dread it sometimes because there was nothing I could say that would make them feel valuable or even adequate. <laughs> you know, like the women were constantly convinced they were about to be fired. Um, whereas I could have some men, I mean, most of the men I managed were fantastic, but I could have some men who really were not that great, who were just like, hey, you know, everything's going really well here. And and I couldn't really get through to them to say, no, there's really some things you need to work on. So it, it surprised me and it, it made me sad that I had such emotional difficulty working with women because the women were so ground down and so self-loathing really. And, and Amazon really benefited from that, at least in the short term. I read a review of exit interview in the New York times and uh, forgive me, don't remember who the writer is, but he posed he or she posed at the end of it, essentially asking is Amazon sexism unique in this context? And if not, than what makes Amazon so uniquely toxic. What mm-hmm. what do you make of, you know, of that? 
I thought that was an interesting question. I remember that. I don't think it's uniquely sexist. I think that it is a common kind of sexism that exists in tech where the environment is professional. You know, it's not like this blatant 1950s style sexism, but there's such a belief in what they call meritocracy that no one realizes meritocracy is a system built by men that tends to promote other men. <laughs> you know, it's similarity bias, it's unconscious bias. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of unconscious sexism. I think what makes Amazon uniquely toxic is just, if it is, you know, I haven't worked at the other tech companies, it's just the uniquely punitive atmosphere, um, you know, extreme austerity, um, extreme frugality. It's basically, at times I felt like I was being dared to get my job done. You know, I remember taking my laptop in, it was three and a half years old or something. And it was basically taking 15 minutes to boot up and I every day <laughs> and, and it was shutting down randomly sometimes. And I was like, you know, what can you do for me? And they were like, well, you know, not much because you've got to get to your four-year life cycle before we can do anything, before we can give you a new one. And I was just like, you know, come on, it's not working. <laughs> like it's, I need a computer. Do you want me to do this job or not? And that was what life at Amazon was like all the time. Like you would see computers patched with duct tape and, and people in, you know, open plan seating with conversations all around them. And it's just, it was not a place where you felt like the company was interested in helping you to give your best. You got there in 2006 and now yeah. you have this book. But when you left the company in 2018, you didn't even get, you know, you didn't get an in-person meeting um, when you mm -hmm. left Amazon 2018, you got a, a link to fill out um, a form. Uh, yeah. So can you tell <laughs> us about uh, that form and how your time uh, ended at uh, Amazon? Yeah, I finally decided to walk away. I, I had a manager who, who, you know, layered me, basically put me another year away from promotion. I had been told six or seven times in 12 years that I was a year from the really big promotion you can get at Amazon. And it happened one more time. And, and I just thought, you know, I just can't do this anymore. I had my first book coming out. I had something to move on to. So, you know, I put in my, my, I think I gave a month's notice and um, the last day, and I assumed I would have an in-person exit interview as someone who had been there again, literally more than 99% of all employees. And I didn't get one. They sent me this form to fill out. And I was kind of like, come on guys, but okay, I'll fill out your form. And I spent a couple hours filling it out and I hit, you know, send, gave them very honest, thoughtful feedback. And it just spun, you know, I saw the, like the spinning hourglass of doom um, from, from windows and um, it didn't go through. It, it vanished into the ether. And by the time I sort of reloaded, I had been cut off from the network because five o'clock had come. And I just couldn't believe it. I thought this is my exit interview. And I, I laughed, honestly, because it just seemed so perfect that no human wanted to talk to me about my experiences and the technology, which, you know, Amazon's internal technology is not the same as what customers see. Like it's really hacky and really wonky. It's much better than it used to be. But I thought this is just perfect. This is perfect for the way that I'm leaving Amazon. But I also kind of thought I'm going to want I'm going to want to make my own exit interview somehow. Maybe that's the moment the idea for the book was born. Thanks to author and former Amazon executive Christy Coulter and R. Kyle McKinnon for enlightening us this week.